Bucks at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome back to the Bucks Banter Podcast. As always, I am your host, Colin Hallboom, and I'm looking forward to digging into some some plenty of good NFL content here this evening for our weekly Monday night live show on Bucks Report. I am joined by my co-host of the Bucks Banter podcast. We have Bo Danyard. Give us a wave, Bo. And hey guys, how you feeling? And Scott Capron makes his return to the podcast after an inexcusable absence last week. We are happy to have him back in attendance this evening. Well, I mean... With all the fan reaction of me not being there, I, I, don't, I don't think I really had a choice this Monday. So you're welcome, everyone. Happy, happy to have a betting angle always <laughs> being taken into consideration with Scott Capron. Yeah, as long as you don't put the words winning in front of betting, then I can talk about it all day. So sure, <laughs> that, if that's my corner, then we're set. So awesome. Right on. Well, happy to be back on Bucks Report. Uh, please feel free to hit us up with comments, whether you got questions or just opinions you want to share. We would love to get to as many of those as we can. I will try throughout the show to highlight those that I think uh, are worthy of some discussion. And we'll see what you guys as an audience can bring to the table for us. Uh, we're going to start with uh, what's up with the Bucks, where we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Tampa with the Buccaneers. Not too much. Uh, a bit of a spoiler alert. Um, and then we're going to get right into some other big news in the NFC South uh, before I'm going to unveil my top 10 ranking rankings of the best running backs in the NFL heading into this 2021 NFL season. Uh, and Bo and Scott are going to are going to likely uh, rip me up for it. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully you guys chime in. Uh, they don't they have no idea who my list is, so it should be fun. Yes, we will be chiming in. Even if we agree, there there will be some chimes. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you can after all bet on running back production. So I'm sure we'll hear from you there, Scott. Looking at it right now. <laughs> uh, so as always, let's start with what's up with the Bucks. Um, not a lot. Not a lot is going on. Uh, mandatory mini camps are going to kick off later this week. Uh, one thing I would like to bring up is just uh, the fact that Giovanni Bernard, um, newest free agent acquisition uh for the buccaneers uh was practicing at otas for a veteran guy new to the team not expected to be there the fact that he has chosen to attend otas with all these rookies and young guys many of whom won't even be in the nfl this season i just he, like what a pro you know um i think that just demonstrates his commitment to learning the playbook getting to know his teammates and really just a commitment to his craft in general yeah no kidding uh and i I think Bucks fans are going to be absolutely thrilled and fall in love with Giovanni Bernard just because he he's going to he's going to have a clearly defined role and he's always played that way as that third down pass catching pass protecting specialist. Yeah. Uh, and he's a third leading pass catcher amongst NFL running backs over the last 8 seasons. So don't sleep on his production either. Yeah. Yeah, he, Sorry, go ahead, Bob. No, he could be really good like I I just like the idea like He's coming into this team. He knows their Super Bowl aspirations. And it's almost like he's 
like has a new lease on his career and he's just like mm. okay i mean taking full advantage of this it's like a move that you kind of make when you're like okay i want to be in the nfl for a few more years a few yeah, more seasons so for sure yeah. plus I, I feel like he i mean there's a a few of these guys every year but i feel like bernard is one of those sneaky been in the league longer than you realize kind of thing yeah. right and like just with booms and eight years they're like eight years that's already a like a pretty long career for a running back i know he hasn't been uh bell cow given given the ball uh 25 times a game for 16 uh games a year or anything like that but still uh so you know this is obviously his best chance to win and that's a great sign great pickup and that that's awesome to see him at the otas like that I feel like he deserves this opportunity too. Like he's earned it. You know, you haven't heard anything from Gio Bernard. He just goes out, does his thing. Whoever the starting running back has been over the past almost decade, he just steps in when they're hurt, is highly productive. As soon as they come back, he slides right back into that backup slash third down back role. So, yeah. And then, and you know, like it's tough to have the fate of being drafted by the Bengals, right? Like that's just not something you really wish upon a lot of guys. So, no, I feel like he's definitely made the most of it so far of his career. For sure. And then uh, thoughts on OTAs. Uh, this is coming from Mr. Bucks Nation. Thoughts on OTAs. What players do you guys like going into the mandatory mini camp? So, um, sorry, I don't know why it messes up our little overlay here, but we'll deal with that. It's not a big issue. Um, I'm most like it's the rookies. It's, you know, it's pretty easy during these early uh otas to stand out if you're a, say a jalen darden you know fourth round pick out of north texas because you're playing against as i already mentioned a lot of guys who aren't even going to be in the league so like we heard about jalen darden bernard and even Jaden mickens just lighting up these dbs um however once once more of the regulars and and, and starting caliber players join in the fun then that's going to be a lot more challenging so i'm most curious with seeing how the rookies can adapt to the increase in competitiveness and just the increase in talent and quality of football play. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the bucks, so I would just say all the rookies, all the new guys, I think, you know, Gio, Gio Bernard, who we're just talking about is another guy. Um, love seeing him get a head start already in terms of acclimating himself with Tampa Bay, with how the system works with the new playbook. I just can't, can't say enough how, how much I love to see him out there. I did not expect it. And the fact he's been out there is fantastic. Future fan favorite at Raymond James Stadium. Quote me on that. Um, Joe Tryon expected back for mandatory minicamp, so we're hoping to get a glimpse of him. Speaking of the rookies who I'm looking forward to seeing, um, obviously he had a minor arthroscopic knee procedure done, but he's been hanging around the facility. He just hasn't been running. Not, why, why would you rush your, your first-round pick? Um, in, in terms of Joe Tryon, really excited to see him getting to work with you know, Shaq Barrett and JPP and the rest of uh, the Buccaneers D-line and, and the coaching staff. Uh, Tryon, I got to say, like, I don't know if it's just me talking myself into it or watching more stuff on him. I'm getting more and more excited, more excited than I was on draft night when we took him. I was just about to ask you, I mean, assuming health and uh, everything's good for the start of the season, what, like, where would you, like, what expectations would you have, boom? I mean, you know, it's tough. They're they're deep and they're set at so many spots, so he doesn't have the pressure as a lot of uh, high picks would have on him to contribute. But what what are you thinking for him? 
I mean, he's going to be a rotational depth piece coming off the edge. So he's going to be he's going to spell Shaq Barrett and JPP. I assume more often JPP because I'm hoping we can get him some more game rest. Mm. Uh, JPP barely practiced last week, especially in the second half of the year because he was banged up. He had a knee issue going on, uh, but he's a warrior. He battles through that that thing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's going to depend on the health of those guys. But I think you know it's exhausting rush rushing the passer. Uh, yeah, I think he's gonna get he's gonna get plenty of opportunity if he proves that he can work hard, you know, in these offseason training programs, and if he can continue to learn from the coaches and those aforementioned veterans in developing um, and refining his pass rushing rushing arsenal. You know, he's a physical he's a physical freak. He has all the tools, but mm-hmm. he's got he's got a lot to add as a pass rusher, and that's why he's landed in such a good situation and, and why the Bucks were able to take him with confidence and not feel like he has, they have any pressure on him to perform right away. Yeah. I, I love it for, uh, I think we're going into the draft. We were talking about maybe adding some depth to the defensive line for you guys and adding Tryon. I think the value of it is really going to show up this year, especially because you have that 17th game. So you could just start him one of the games. You could start him two or three games and, uh, and take the load off of Shaq Barrett and JPP. So it's a, it's a great move, especially on that defensive line, because you are a little bit older there. Yeah, I think – sorry, go ahead, Scott. I was just going to say, I wonder if with someone like JPP, like let's say they see something from Tryon right away. I wonder, would you ever say, hey, JPP, we're gonna, your season starts in week six? Or something like that, you know. Like I don't know if that would actually fly, or 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 you know if there's a rest versus rust argument. But you know, th- they played a lot. Of, like they obviously went on a run last year. He's been in the league forever. I, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there if, if they have the pieces. Kind of thing. Super interesting concept because I like it. You're thinking outside of the box. That sort of thing is pretty much unheard of in the NFL. But yeah. plenty, plenty of Tampa Bay Rays fans know like how they handle their starting pitchers. Oh. You know, they they employ this like team starter mentality where they'll have two guys slated as the starter, and they're not. It's like a completely new foreign concept in baseball circles, but it's certainly working for them. I mean, yeah. they're dominating the AL East right now. They were in the World Series last year. Um, oh. So just kind of a funny, interesting comparison to make. Yeah. Uh, and and what, what you're saying, like if they could get away with Joe Tryon getting those valuable reps, just just working as an athlete, yeah. seeing what kind of production he can come up with, sh- sure. But I, I don't realistically see it happening. But it's no. an interesting concept to talk about on a podcast, which we're doing. Yeah, I wouldn't see it happening either. I just wonder, I want, like, I don't know if it's so taboo or if, you know, JPP would even kind of, throw that out there or if you would want to obviously i have no idea just uh it's to be honest a lot of this comes back to tampa is so deep and they have the ability to kind of maybe uh i don't know like you said think outside the box with some of their roster decisions to make sure everyone's peaking because yeah you know they're not worried about every regular season like they know like brady knows brady knows what time matters and you know they proved they Prove what they could do in the playoffs last year, and it's all about peaking for those last five or six weeks, right? So, yeah, and the biggest example of their depth, their confidence in their depth, to me came watching the NFL draft. Like I completely underestimated how highly they would prioritize special teams, mm. and after you know, he's starting with Darden in the fourth, their yeah. 
the all their picks were special teams focused everyone from there on which really is like kind of unheard of you know what i mean they kj Britt and uh taking kj Britt. they took chris wilcox in the seventh uh grant stewart mr irrelevant so that you know they use a number of picks and then darden that's four of your four of your selections on special teams exclusively being the goal of course jalen darden has um plenty of opportunity potentially or at least plenty plenty of uh the skill to be much more than that down the line but i think he's going to be the plan is for him to be a kick return punt returner right away if he can do it um mr bucks nation asks i'm liking this these questions from you mr bucks nation thoughts on jalen darden who we just mentioned buccaneers fourth round selection who they moved up in the round to draft getting compared to antonio brown and kyle trask getting compared to andrew luck so so (laughs) All I'll say is, and Mr. Bucks Nation isn't making those comparisons himself. He wants he no. wants us to address how we feel about it. So yeah. first of all, I'm just gonna, if you don't mind, just address this initially, and then you guys can chime in if that's cool. Yeah, please. So Jalen Darden getting compared to Antonio Brown is like Antonio Brown. We talked about this on the last pod. He is a Antonio Brown has played the wideout position his entire career. Um, he's not a slot receiver. No, he's just. Um, He's just small. Yeah. But, uh, so Jalen Darden projects most likely as a slot receiver. So, I mean, sure, they're both small and incredibly, incredibly shifty and sharp route runners and good hands. Yeah, but so are hopefully most NFL receivers who have made it <laughs> yeah. to the NFL. So yeah, I think that, that that's where that comparison starts and stops. Um, hopefully he can learn from AB, though. I, I certainly think from a tutelage perspective or a mentorship role, AB is a really good guy for him to learn from. Yeah, the level of footwork that Antonio Brown has is understated. Um, so to compare any rookie to Antonio Brown is pretty tough. Um, even a Jamar Chase or any, any anyone like that who hasn't played a game in the NFL yet, it's going to be tough to say they're going to be like Antonio Brown. But he's, at least he's on the same roster. So, yeah, maybe he gets to learn from him. That's a great mentor to have on the field at least. So. Um, yeah. yeah, hopefully Jalen. That's a, a very high ceiling for Jalen Darden, in my opinion. Bo, I'm glad you threw that distinction in there with the on the field mentor. I don't know how many uh, how many big brother badges Antonio Brown has for his off the field stuff, but uh, yeah, phenomenal. And if he's anything even remotely like AB, then wow, what a pickup! Again, just another another guy to have. So, and uh, Mr. Bucks Nation goes on to clarify that that. That comparison came from Byron Leftwich during a talk with the media a couple of days ago. Oh, and I didn't I, see that. Yeah, so um, thank you for pointing you that any, out. It doesn't make it any. Oh, it doesn't sorry. make it any less. I was going to jump in. Go, yeah. go. I was just going to jump in. Uh, you had me at Leftwich. Like he's my favorite quarterback growing yeah. up in high school. So yeah, uh, if he thinks uh, so, yeah, he's AB. Then it's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I don't think I. I think coaches offensive coordinator whatever coach you are they're forced to do so many press conferences and media appearances and they get asked so many prodding questions begging them to make comparisons who does he remind you of who could he be so i don't even blame leftwich for making that type of comparison because you know it's got to be so hard to answer all these questions and, and come up with these things so like i'm really not reading into it at all in terms of the um andrew luck comparison for kyle trask they're both stocky big dudes who are passers um, that's about it. So again, I don't see much of anything there at all uh, between either of those comparisons. Yeah, your coach really can't throw you out 
with the super he's going to give you a goal something to to work towards right it's not going to be the most realistic comparison possible that he can possibly think of he's also not going to hum and haw over it to be like okay let me get this nail this for this media guy so he has a clip tomorrow yeah Um, but it's ab is a great goal for any wide receiver to have honestly and andrew luck if kyle trask turned out to be andrew luck that would be we'll be doing the bucks banner podcast at basically every super bowl in the 2020s yeah that's not happening trask throws pillows out there man like luck could sling it into tight spots i i i mean Maybe Trask is like the real cerebral guy, and he's picking up the offense really quickly, and that's more where um, more where the comparison is coming from. But as a actual passer, like there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing there. Yeah, and uh, I think that Bo, you're right. Like as as the coach, if you're being asked that sort of question to make that kind of comparison, you do have to play both sides of the fence a little bit. You don't want to make an outlandish comparison unfairly putting the player in a tough spot, but you also don't want to diss the player outright. Like if, if Clyde Christensen comes out and they ask him who Kyle Trask reminds him of, and he says, Jacob Eason, people yeah. are gonna be like, well, why the hell did you just draft him in the, you know, in the second round? So yeah, yeah, it, it's funny. Oh, we got our boy, John McKenzie in the chat. Uh, oh. Van, De- Van Develde, whatever that self-proclaimed alias refers to like the picture what? of AI versus Jordan. Oh, come on. That's from, that's from golf yesterday, bud. Oh, right, right. They blew it on the 18th, just right. like John Vandeveld. That's why you're here, Caps. Be, that's betting, too. Yeah. Wait, what app is he on? Is he on Tinder sending that in? <laughs> no, no, that's tw- that's Twitter. Okay. Uh, good guess, though. Uh, yeah, and and any, any of our Ontario residents, if you ever need your pool opened, maintained, closed, please give our guy John McKenzie over at Sky Pools a shout. Uh it's skypools.ca. They do a great job over there. Happy to have them as our sponsors on our podcast um, moving forward. Nice commitment well, from John McKenzie and the guys over at Sky Pools. He's also willing to negotiate price on pool openings based on golf bets. Just so, so you know, if you, if you have a handicap, that might uh, that might save you on chemicals. I don't know what goes on with pools. All right, I'm not a pool guy. I'm just throwing things out there. Yeah, I'm sure lots of our listeners in Florida are pool people, though. So that's cool. That's true. Something That's true. something we're envious of in addition to having an NFL franchise. Although they probably don't have to open or close in Florida, right? It's just like, all right, we bought the house and now we have a pool. Good point. John will be out of business there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And also there's a really cool article up on Bucks Report today by JT Olson where he's ultimately comparing Levante David to Brian Erlacher from a, from a statistical com- – comparison um and it's pretty neat to see the numbers compared so that give that a read if you haven't head over to bucksreport.ca and check out uh, jt's piece i enjoyed reading it and if you enjoy praise of levante david and him relishing in the shadows as one of the most underrated yet most productive linebackers in the last decade feel free to check out another article on bucksbanter.ca titled the legend of levante i think you'll like that one also uh, with lots of good statistical comparisons for levante and how he stacks up against some other great linebackers, including one Luke Keekley. So NFC South rivalries, got to, you know, got to hit those on the head whenever you get a chance, right? Pretty good, uh, pretty good trio of linebackers there. Wow. Yeah. I read, I read that Erlacher comparison this morning. It's, uh, it's good, man. Yeah, nice. Erlacher is maybe top 10 in my list of how the hell did they end up at that school? Like at New, like he went to New Mexico. 
And you know, I'm sure the stories are less interesting. Like maybe they gave him the most money, or if they were the only ones who recruited them. It's probably one of those two things, to be honest. But it's just like if you see like his his college tape, he just he looked literally it was a joke. Like he wasn't yeah. playing against high school teams, but that's what it looked like when he was there. Anyway, it's just one of those how and why. But yeah, anyway, sorry, random. No, no worries. Uh, before we move on off of the Bucks, uh, Mr. Bucks Nation, who has been super active, I'm appreciating that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on the running back battle between Ronald Jones versus Leonard Fournette and how Keyshawn Vaughn will figure into the offense with Gio Bernard as the third down back? Great question, Mr. Bucks Nation. Um, so I think that, like, I actually, I was on, uh, I made an appearance on uh, Rick Hughes' report on Friday night, um, and, and we talked about this. Uh, I think the battle between Jones and Fournette is not going to be determined heading into the season, despite the fact that I think Leonard Fournette probably has a little more leeway in term, after what he did in that postseason run. I mean, he, he proved to be incredibly valuable to the Bucks when they needed someone most. Um, at that position so that was big for him but I think Arians is going to employ a bit of a timeshare and he's going to let those two battle it out in regular season games he's going to go a couple drives Lenny a couple drives Rojo and really just ride the hot hand on a game-to-game basis until or if one of those two guys runs away with the job that's kind of how I see it I don't know what you guys think yeah that's how I see it playing out too and that running back room is super deep uh yeah. Even last year with LaShawn McCoy was in there, even though he, oh, he barely right. got to play. But, uh, yeah, I've, I almost thought that he got cut or something because I just don't even remember him taking any snaps. But, um, yeah, the, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn also being in there. You have Gio. Um, I think it's clearly going to be whoever's got the hottest hand is going to keep going, which Bruce kind of showed last year in the playoffs. So Yeah, yeah I, I think fumbles, um, like – just ball protection in general. I don't, to me, you know, they're, they should be complimentary. Like I know they're probably both starter caliber, but I like having both of those guys. Then I like mixing up what you do with each of them. So it's not obviously a run with Fournette or, or a, like a pass. If, if uh, Jones is on the field, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think you can really get the most out of two of those guys. They're, they're two different skill sets, right? Like Fournette is just so massive and can just pull people over but he's obviously got enough like shiftiness to him as well and then like we talked talked about before jones is that home run threat so i mean if arians prefers to have one then cool but i i feel like you get a lot out of both of those guys in the same game and definitely in the same season yeah and the result of of employing that timeshare like you're saying scotty it can be productive in itself it doesn't necessarily mean like does it i guess you're almost saying like it doesn't have to be a tryout it could just be yeah. their roles exactly that's what i was yeah. what i was getting at and With, I, I i don't I, know enough about Keyshawn font to really have an opinion but then you know it's a long season someone will get hurt someone will get nicked up and miss a couple games and then if geo if geo's that guy to come in great you gotta assume that you know he'll get brady's trust right away uh, hey, I'm. We're not in the running back room. We don't know the comp- like how competitive it is, how much they want. Um, you know the the traditional bell cow, but I just think that, yeah, the um, you know the different strengths that each of those guys have is such yeah. a cool extra little thing for them to play with in their offense. Yeah, it's a great point about the fumbles too. Like that, 
you just aren't going to be able to fumble in, on this team. Yeah. If you fumble, you're at the back of the line, and it's a super long line. Yeah. Also, I'm hoping Brian Rep- Byron Leftwich ends up uh, throwing on first down as much as possible. So you really only have one down, mm. possibly, to get the get the ball. Um, it's yeah. going to be whoever's in there willing to throw a block. Um, yeah. I remember, didn't we just watch, we just offline, we have a little group chat, and we were sending a tweet. And I think it was Lenny just completely whiffed on a block, and Brady got smashed. And he hit. He still hit the throw, of course, because it's Tom Brady. But yeah. um, like, it's gonna be those plays where you're gonna see that happen, and you're just gonna be like, "Oh, that guy's. He's not coming back in the game because they're just gonna ride Rojo, or they're just gonna ride Lenny, or they're just gonna ride Keyshawn, like, or they're just gonna ride Geo. Like, Geo could just come in at second down and keep going, right? Well, like, I'll tell you right now. Gio Bernard is the least likely to miss blocking assignments out of every yeah. running back in that yeah. stable. And Bruce is old school. You're totally right. If a guy drops the pill or misses a block, they're going to go right to the back of the queue uh, yeah. in that running back depth. So that's could very well be a- accurate. Um, it's, it's so volatile if you're a running back, though. Eh? Like Basically, exactly. your two biggest mistakes are – missing a block and fumbling the ball but it's like oh man like made a mistake like let's get it back he's like no those are both game-changing mistakes right yeah. so there's you know obviously you could maximize a run or get more out of a runner but like oh i made a mistake yeah fumbling that's gonna hurt you we're <laughs> gonna hurt your playing time like it, uh, that's yeah. Tough. That's tough. yeah and then you and then if you throw into the mix another crucial issue that has plagued the Buccaneer running backs last season is the inability to catch the football, which again is an area that Giovanni Bernard excels at. So there are certainly, there are two crucial elements of the game that Giovanni Bernard is the best running back on the roster immediately at. Um, So that's interesting, Bo. Like, like I think there could be scenarios where he is getting the bulk of the action. Even Um, team to team, like week to week, I could see like they could just say, okay, well, I don't think these linebackers are gonna are gonna match up very well with Geo, so let's just go ride him. He's been playing great, so um, yeah. it, it's gonna be a tough pill to crack for Keyshawn Vaughn, which is super tough for him because he missed all that time with COVID last year. So yeah, I, I I'm interested to see what happens in that backfield for sure. Yeah, and yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn has a ton of talent, uh, but I do like like he averaged playing for Vanderbilt. He averaged uh, almost seven yards a carry. Yeah, SEC like, football in the SEC, playing on a horrible team like that. Yeah, that is nuts. borderline impossible to do. So um, he can certainly be productive, but I, I agree that it's going to be real hard for him to get opportunities without a, one or two injuries going down. Um, cool. I love the running back talk because it's right on theme with the bulk yeah, of this episode. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, we aren't quite ready to dive into the running back top 10 NFL running back rankings quite yet um, because some NFC relevance with a huge news that broke yesterday, uh, something that we've we've teased and talked about and considered all sorts of different scenarios is regarding Julio Jones. Uh, Julio, the Titans gave up a the Tennessee Titans gave up a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick to the Atlanta Falcons in order to acquire Julio Jones and a 2023 sixth round pick. Um, So Titans GM, uh, John Robinson, uh, who is a former director of player personnel for the Bucs from 2013 to 2016, is obviously very familiar with Julio Jones. 
working in Tampa front office with Jason Light. Um, and, you know, I, I don't even want I, I want to set up Bo, do you have any th- thoughts on this, like on Julio? I'm sure yeah, you do. Well, I, I know you, you did a lot last uh, last week. Yeah, it's, 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 Julio, it's Julio Jones, man. Like, it's, it's just awesome to see that he's going to this team, uh, a team that really wants him. Um, I don't think anyone in the league wanted Julio Jones as much as A.J. Brown did. Um, he was mm. manifesting it, as he put on his uh, Instagram as soon as, the, as soon as the story broke. Um, really nice gift from Arthur Smith back to his old team and back to his old coach, Mike Vrabel too. Oh, so, yeah. um, interesting that that ended up being the team. I don't think we really covered them at all as one of the, one of our most interesting spots, but they are, uh, it's definitely fun. It's not, um, the most fun in my books. Like you guys you got my list last year, uh, last week, I obviously wanted them to go to the Ravens, but, um, it's interesting for the Titans just because, I think it changes their timeline, but I'm not sure it changes the class of team that they are. Like, I still think that they're behind the Chiefs in the AFC, at least, and behind the Bucks in the NFC, um, as well as maybe even the Packers, um, depending on if Aaron Jones, um, sorry, Aaron Rodgers stays on uh, the roster. Um, but it's it's a super interesting move uh, because that is like the three-headed monster of AJ Brown. Julio Jones and Derrick Henry is just absolutely ridiculous. It's just it's just so important to have someone that um, takes that much attention or yeah, like forces the other team to to put that much attention on you on the field, right? Like yeah. opens things up for AJ Brown even more. And I don't even like to say that because it doesn't have to open anything up for AJ Brown. Like you can just throw it to Julio. He's one of the best receivers ever. Like that's not yeah. even Verbally, he's one of the best receivers ever, and yeah. he's 32 now. But it's not like he looks like he's slowing down. He's had a couple, obviously, nagging type injuries, and you know, playing a full season has been an issue. But I don't know. It looks pretty good to me. I I love the spot, and um, they needed it. I think uh, we, which we discussed in the uh, AFC South preview, just how much. A receiver can actually swing a team's Super Bowl odds or anything like that. I'm not going to go ahead and, and, you know, that gives them two more wins. You know, that bumps them from yeah. 11 and 6 to 13 and 4 and like that. But I think they're way better. And I think it gives them even more versatility. And hey, you got to score. You got to score in this league. And you're definitely going to have to score to beat Kansas City or Baltimore or even Buffalo in the AFC, right? So I. I love it. I love it, and I, I love it for Julio just because he's really one of my favorite players. So he seems into it, and I can't wait to watch him. I really I like, can't wait. Yeah, I, uh, I think like through all the Julio talk, everyone's just so been talking so much about like where's he gonna go, like whatever, and that it almost gets lost. I think by a lot of people, yeah. how great and how dominant of a force Julio Jones is. Um, yeah. You know, like I think ninety-five yards a game for a season, every like for ten seasons, ninety-five yards a game. Yeah, that's stupid. It's it's not. It's just people are forgetting, and I have a feel like I made the Randy Moss career arc comparison on the wide receiver episode we did uh, last week, Bo, and 
Um, I don't think it's comparable since Julio Jones remains so productive. Like, sure, he hasn't gotten the end zone a ton, but he's just yeah. drawing all. Like, look, look at how Calvin Ridley has benefited from that. Not to say Calvin Ridley isn't a great player in his own right. Of course he is, but um, he's still been incredibly productive, unlike Randy Moss when he was in Oakland. Um, but I could see him going at, out of his way this year to just remind everyone how good he is this season, you know, like similar yeah. to Randy when he joined the Pats. The touchdowns, yeah. though, the, the lack of touchdowns don't bother me as long as the offense scores, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure he wants to score because it's more fun and fantasy owners want him to score. hundred. But, like, it's not like his lack of actually putting the ball in the end zone is what led the uh, Atlanta to, like, the 23rd scoring offense. Or like, it was never like that. It's just that he was, he was um, you know, such a focal point for everyone, and then they had That's other guys to throw to. So, like, super good point. Super uh, good point. Like, when I think about it, it's like touchdowns for receivers or, like, interceptions for cornerbacks. It's like they're sometimes they're kind of random. Like, you can have four in a season. You can have ten in a season. Like, who knows? Yeah. Um, but the, the one other thing I wanted to hit on was, like, this – the Titans' offense was so tilted towards Derrick Henry. Um, A.J. Brown being injured at times and, and just their receiving core in general just not being that productive um, just tilts the field so much towards Derrick Brown. The fact that Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are presumably going to be on the field together on for the majority of the season, like their offense is so much more versatile and so much more dynamic. Uh while keeping Derrick Henry involved, he's still going to be the focal point of this offense. But you have to respect Julio Jones out there. You can't you can't leave him one on one, and that yeah. just takes another guy out of the box. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, I agree, it's not necessarily like vaulting them into like yeah. primary Super Bowl contender status. Like I, I still think the Browns have a much better roster overall as well. But the, and the thing when we look at it from a team wide glance is okay. They act, this work couldn't have worked out better for the Titans because coming into this offseason, they needed receiver. And I think Titans fans were extremely surprised to see they didn't really address that. They passed on a number of good ones in the draft. Um, but they knew what they needed was defensive back help. Like their defense was not good last year. The Titans, you, you, for whatever reason, you think Mike Vrabel's there. You just picture like hard, tough defense. You break down the numbers. They were one of the worst teams in the league against the pass. I don't have it in front of me, but like bottom yeah, three. They were. Yeah. Um, and then they lost three DBs. Vaccaro, the the safety. Uh, they lost to Dory Jackson. And they lost Malcolm Butler. So, you know, but they drafted Caleb Farley. They drafted Elijah Molden, who's a guy I really like in the third round out of Washington. Um, and Caleb Farley has top 10 talent. Um, in the NFL draft, he just has some injury concerns. So they are going to be heavily dependent on rookies producing at key positions on the defensive side of the ball, which will be concerning. Um, their front four looks great on defense, though, adding Bud Dupree along with Jeffrey Simmons. So I don't want to go too deep into their roster. I'm just kind of speaking generally. It helps them a ton offensively. They're going to be a serious force. I think it's going to help Henry, and I think Henry's going to help Julio and obviously A.J. Brown and, and Tannehill. So that trio is vicious. Scott asked in our group chat the other day, does this make them the best like receiver, receiver, running back trio in the league? I think it does undoubtedly if you're just focusing on those three spots. Um, I don't know. What, what are you seeing on the betting market, Scott? I know that's something you probably look at pretty early. Do you have any thoughts well, on that? Not a huge swing. It's still basically a dead heat between the Colts and the Titans for that, uh, for the AFC South. Like, 
Indianapolis was plus 105, and and uh, Tennessee moved from plus 115 to plus 110. So marginal marginal betting move because like we were, like we were saying, it's just hard for a receiver to. Well, it's hard for any one player other than a quarterback in the NFL to really move the needle when it comes to expectations and uh, futures and things like that. But I think it may, a hot take. I think the Titans are better today than they than they were a week ago. And uh, like I said, I already liked them in the division, and uh, this just cements it for me. I yeah yeah. Let me it's let one me of those just ones that like I, go ahead. Bob. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you go. I, it's one of those ones where I thought that like Vegas could easily be kicking themselves about like when we get to the end of the season, just because. Yeah. Julio coming in and Tannehill having that extra weapon, it just makes it that much like it just lessens the load so much more. It's he can be a game changer. Um, yeah. and they, they, you're adding a game changer to a roster that was already pretty good. So yeah. I, I think I think it would be if, if you're flush with cash, I think you should definitely be laying down over what is it, plus two twenty or plus one twenty, Scott, for uh the Titans to win the AFC South or something. Yeah, plus one ten now, yeah. So oh, a little bit over money. Still, still plus money. Still pretty nice. Plus money. I honestly think that's borderline a lock at this point. Carson Wentz is the quarterback of the Colts. I mean, I think more for debate's sake, I flipped my pick for in the AFC South to the Colts just to make sure we weren't all three on the same page. But uh, I would like to officially remove my name from that endorsement and switch back over to my initial choice, along with you two fine gentlemen. Let's and do it. Say the Titans are going to win the AFC South. No, and... no, 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 no. I'm oh, still right. Duval You're County. Dead. You're I'm Duval. Yeah. Oh, right. The Jags. If you want value, put it on the Jags. If you're talking betting value, they probably went down because of this move. But yeah, never a better time to get in on the Jags. Get in the ground floor. I think uh, I think Bowden and Fred Durst are the only two people that have been <laughs> so far at this point. <laughs> Love the Jags. Love them. Nice. Uh, any other? Oh, wait, yeah. yeah uh, bringing up Tannehill, uh, I just want to quickly go into the salary cap part of this. So, like the Perfect. interesting part of everything that got uh, everything about this trade, and it's not being talked about. The Falcons didn't agree to take on any of Julio's contract in this deal. So, like the timing of this deal couldn't have worked out better for uh, the Titans, um, but for the Falcons, it actually kind of worked out that the Titans were desperate enough to make this happen that they didn't have to take in take on any of the money to get it done um so julio's owed 15.3 million around 15 million this year but the cap hit is 23 million and the titans only have about 5 million in space so they they either have to convince julio to restructure that restructure that deal which is a big possibility because he's owed 15.3 this year but uh in the next two years 2022 and 2023 he's on the book for books for 11.5 but only 2 million is guaranteed in those two years so um and that's overall that's combined in those two years he only has 2 million guaranteed so they could actually cut him after after this year if, if uh he didn't restructure this um so um if he doesn't want to restructure it the most likely thing they'll do is probably restructure ryan Tannehill's deal um they can restructure his deal and, and uh, free up about $20 million in cap space, easily have Julio under contract for this year, and then figure out what they want to do with him next year. But, yeah, I, I, it's uh, it was an interesting move for the Titans just because they, they're they taking on a lot of money to do it, and they've got to make a change to their quarterback. So they're going to kick down the, uh, the can down the hill for Tannehill and 
just make <laughs> them lock into Tannehill for that much longer to keep Julio around for this year. But, but. but like, of course they can restructure it because NFL contracts are completely made up and changed at literally the drop of a hat. Like, yeah. you know, like it's a signing bonus. You can make it um, incentive based. You can say Julio tied both of his shoes correctly to in week one, and like so, then he gets his full deal. Like, I honestly, well, I'm glad you know about this stuff because I've tried to read about the salary cap and like how does how do teams how do teams actually do this? And it's like, all right, do whatever you want, basically. What, Scott, you didn't take uh, voidable voidable years one a o three in first year. You know what? <laughs> it was it was before noon, so uh, they didn't offer it. So um, yeah, that was the only time. Damn, you should have went because Jason Light actually taught that class. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah him, him and Mike Greenberg, uh, the, oh. the salary cap expert yeah. for the Bucks, because we saw a lot of voidable years coming down the line. But you know what? The Bucks put themselves in a position where Buccaneer fans don't need to panic about that. Because we have been planning for the future for so long. So we're still in such a secure position financially, especially when you consider the situations of the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints in the NFC South. Speaking of the NFC South, our guy Johnny Dean, the professor, is in the building. What's up, Johnny Dean? Nice to have you here. I was wondering where you were, man. Um, happy to have you back with us. Um, do we sorry, boys, before we move on, like we've covered the financials, we've we've talked about Julio Jones as a player. We already talked a lot about him in general on our previous episode. Is there anything else we want to touch on as it relates to Julio being acquired by the Tennessee Titans? Um, I mean, it certainly, it improves the position as a whole in the AFC South. Cause that was one of my big critiques, our yeah. big critiques of that division was how poor they were at wide receiver. Well, now that yeah. the two best ones are on the same team yeah. and, and to the delight of Buccaneer fans, such as myself, Julio is no longer our problem. He's not even in the same damn conference anymore. So uh, as Antoine Winfield likes to say, peace, Julio. (laughs) Yeah. Am I right or am I right? Hey. Yeah. So, like, do they they have – they have the worst – or not, maybe the second worst uh, wide receiver room in your division now? Like we we almost had the Falcons. You had the Falcons in your top five, right? Before this, I had Falcons. At, I had Falcons at three in the league. Yeah, yeah, with Ridley and Julio Jones, and then Kyle Pitts to put them yeah. over the top. So this changes a whole bunch of things. I wonder now if they're gonna uh, hang on to Hayden Hurst and play like a two tight end set oh. and kind of change their entire offense, right? Because. Yeah, they have to. The selection of Kyle Pitts made everyone think Hayden Hurst was the odd man out because he's still a talented, above-average tight end in the league, and he's young enough. But Um, Pitts is kind of a tight end in name only, though, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he might just become Julio. Yeah, it's like Devin. I mean, he's better than Devin Funches, but Funches was a a tight end, and then he's just super tall. He's he's six five or six six. He just kind of leaned out a little bit, and then he's a receiver, right? So. That's not a knock, and I'm I'm just saying, Pitts has so much versatility that they could definitely definitely still have Hurst on the field. I do think that Kyle Pitts, like my optimism regarding his, just from a statistical production perspective, is going to take a hit with Julio being gone. Like Kyle Pitts is going to be absurd, no matter where he lands. He's that type of player. But uh, with Julio and Calvin Ridley there, like I just had these astronomical expectations, like. Yeah. You know, uh, from a fantasy perspective or uh, just a, you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe he's, maybe he just fills the, sh- 
the production void right away. We'll see. Or yeah. Ridley steps up. And, although Ridley was unbelievably productive last year anyway. So. Yeah. Ridley's a Bucks killer, too. He plays well against the Bucks. And he's awesome. He's gonna get. He's gonna get a ton of targets. He's gonna get a pirate ship full of targets uh, oh, this season. Yeah. So I was just a lot of eyes on them though too, right? Like as much as I think you're freeing up the production for those guys, Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley are like the only two people you need to stop in that offense now. Um, totally. That's why I'm saying my my opinion yeah. on on Pitts's production changes because if you got to worry about yeah. Julio and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, like anyway, I'm thankful that that isn't existing. To be honest, I know like when everyone's it was rumored, and and when there's smoke, there's fire, and for whatever reason, the sources in the NFL rumors tend to be awfully close to the real thing more often than not. And you know they were talking second round pick, like they were close in terms of the valuation around the league. That surprises me. I'm surprised no team was willing to give up even a first to really go for it, um, or at least more than a second and a what was it a second and a. I already said it, but a second and a fourth, I think. Yeah. Right. Like a second and a third. Like no one wanted third. to throw that out there to grab Julio Jones, a team with some cap space and it needed the position. I don't know. Like the the Bills, that have been anyway, we've already talked about all that stuff. So teams are nuts about the draft and having draft capital and all that. It's it's way more valued than even one superstar. It's always happens. Big time. And not to beat a dead horse, but I think the the Fox Shannon Sharp incident just absolutely killed the value of that trade. Like mm-hmm. if that was just sitting out there being like Julio might want to leave, I think you would have seen you would have saw a lot of more de- like way more desperation from other teams. Um, just in your evaluation alone, like maybe the Falcons looked like they were gearing up to be like, okay, we got our fourth, we got a uh, Johnny P- or Kyle Pitts, and let's just let's throw out this three-headed monster ourselves. Yeah. and get Matt Ryan to fling the ball all over the field again. Um, so, yeah, I think the the way everything played out was absolutely perfect for the Titans from, like, a media uh, expectations around the league perspective. And it better not ever happen that this gets turned, turned around and reflects negatively on Julio as a guy because he's been yeah. just a professional. He didn't, he didn't air this out. He kept that in house, which is incredibly impressive with, with how modern day diva NFL wide receivers tend to conduct themselves. Um, so that's just a, a major negative, uh, not a cool move by Shannon Sharp and uh, should never reflect in any way, shape or form negatively on Julio Jones. Um, yeah, Johnny Dean making his presence felt with a comment here. They are going to try to use Pitts, talking about the Falcons, of course, like they did Tony Gonzalez. Uh, the Falcons still haven't addressed their defense, which has been the issue all along. So that comment coming in on Facebook from Johnny Dean. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're going to hear more. Yeah. That's why they're not going to be very good. Yeah. 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 They 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 have a bunch of question marks out there, right? They have a bunch. They drafted a few DBs and corners and safeties, right? But they they still have Dante Fowler taking up a ton of their cap, and he was unproductive. Isn't fair enough of a word to use what his season was like last year. So mm-hmm. um, if he's better on the edge, maybe they're a little bit better. But their their defense, like we have no idea if they're going to be able to cover anyone again this year. Doubtful. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there we go. Plenty of Julio Jones talk this offseason. And the Eagle ha- or the Falcon has landed, let's say, 
outside of the NFC South. So we've already talked what's up with the Bucks. Uh, there we go with the Julio Jones discussion. Oh, surprising fact, by the way, gentlemen, that I came came across before we move on from the Titans talk. Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, I was surprised. He led the league with game-winning drives last season with six. So that's interesting. Just yeah. forgot to throw that in there organically, yeah. so I'm doing it awkwardly now. Can I, can I throw one more awkward shout out? Uh, shout out? Uh, the Falcons. Like, I got chills. I don't know if you guys saw their tribute video they did for Julio. No. It's unreal. It's really, oh. really good. Yeah, I good. would I would highly I recommend that. it. That's the way that you say goodbye to a, a superstar player. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really good. I it's like it. two or three minutes long, too. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I may have made it, but I haven't actually watched it back yet. uh all right well what do you boys say i know you guys have no idea how my list i think it's time for us um to oh our guy uh me cedor hello and i I found out later i found out later this is our guy he was crushing it last week in the comments i found out later he did clarify in the comments how to pronounce it yeah he did he did yeah but i never caught it due to no fault of his of course my own uh, but I'm happy to have him back in the chat looking for some good good content and, and questions and inquiries from him. So, Scott, Bodan, and anyone listening, um, top 10 NFL running backs okay. in the NFL heading into this season. Okay. Okay. Uh, sure to be plenty of different opinions on this. And I look forward to discussing it with you guys. You guys have no idea how my list shakes out. So, but, And just so we're clear, Paul, is this – who you not like ten? Who you would start a franchise? Just like who are the ten best? That's what you have. okay, okay. Going into this season, so let's say this upcoming NFL season, my ten favorites. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. Who, yeah. So not we're not not groups like we did. We did the wide receiver groups last week. This is just running backs as players. Yep. Um, as Love individual you. players, who would I want on my team as my starting tailback? Yep. You um, must win this game. Who am I going to have? Yeah. Yeah, I like but this season. This season, some guys might yeah. need a few few warm up games. I don't know for the whole season. Uh, Yo, Scott, do you do you have a list too or no? Uh, I have a a tentative list, but I'm just more going off of Collins. But yeah, I have a yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we'll go through my ranking. We'll just use that yeah. to drive the discussion on yeah. the position oh, yeah. and players oh, yeah. we like, don't like, think are overrated, underrated, uh, what have you. So that's just kind of these lists are a nice way to formulate our opinions and. Yeah. Politely engage in debate. So uh, we'll start at 10 because countdowns should count down, not up. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in at 10, I have Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, okay. So that's one of the bigger uh, kind of spark plugs right away. Interesting. All right. Make your defense. Yeah. So I I assume you're thinking that's too low, right? You would have expected him to be higher than, than 10. I, I'm going the other way. I wouldn't have been surprised if you did. Like when I went through it. I wouldn't be surprised if you left him off. What was I your nine? Okay, so sorry. I, I, I actually I did have him higher though. I had him at I had okay. him at eight. So, but I was like, I don't I don't think that anybody. Yeah, go ahead. But yeah. the fact that within each of our rankings we had him eight, nine, ten does speak to some like understanding of maybe, maybe yeah. why he ended up there. And uh, I assume most people would be surprised and maybe expect him to be higher on the list. Uh, but again, the more I, I dug into the numbers and just factors influencing his last two seasons. I mean, everything I've written down here is more just to justify him being this low. So it's kind of like negative stuff, but like 
Like, for example, Melvin Gordon, a guy who a lot of people have written off as a productive NFL running back in Denver, getting used to a new team, had more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott last season. Yeah. Um, is, is I raise my hand because I, I, I am one of the uh, writing off Melvin Gordon guys. <laughs> right. Right. Fair enough. I get that. And I, you, I, you guys meet on Wednesday nights, right, Bo? It's a great community. Yeah. yeah if you guys want in, I can vouch for you oh, for sure. Is there like a potluck situation? Um, it's mainly just a membership fee, but I'll just e-transfer it to me. I'll, I'll take care of it. Perfect. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll pass. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> uh, okay. He also had six fumbles. Uh, old school Scotty Capron already mentioned. He does not like when you drop the football. Get him um, on the bench, bud. Yeah. Give me a mile. Like off. Remember the yeah. Titans. Hold yeah. on to that football. So he had six fumbles. Most of and most uh, of any of the top tier running backs. I yeah. think Dalvin Cook was was next there with like five, but um, he also the thing that really shocked me is he is his lack of explosive plays, and I found this to be one of the most helpful um, statistics to kind of look at. And, and explosive plays, I'm referring to any runs, any rushing runs, t- twenty yards or more. Yeah. Um, which I think is super valuable indicator of like a, a running back. Like I, I need some explosion out of my guy for a top top end running back. Of course, con- consistently short yardage is great, but you got to be able to to break it open here and there. Yeah. Um, and I was shocked at how the lack of production. So last year, twenty twenty, Zeke had only three runs of twenty plus yards and zero yeah. runs of forty plus yards. Um, and then in 2019, I'm like, okay, well, then maybe the previous year he he must have crushed it. He only had four explosive plays, only four 20-plus yard runs scampered in the entire season. So um, a total of seven explosive plays over the course of the last two seasons is just not cutting it. No. Um, based off of who he is and who we know he was coming out and, and the production yeah. he had early in his career, I have to keep him in the top ten. But just sneaking him into the back, I mean, yeah, um, you know yeah. what I mean? He ranked injuries in like the the thing that I gave I like why he ended up at eight for me was I gave him the leniency of uh, injuries and the uh, the offensive line is so much I think we talked about that in the draft or maybe it was after the draft but their line is so much worse than you would expect it to be Um, so that that makes it a little bit tougher because that hole is not what it used to be for Zeke. But what you got to consider is what it used to be is an unprecedented amount of of talent on that offensive line when he came out. So he was also benefiting yeah. from having exactly. an incredible line at a point, yeah. right? So it kind of evens out almost, you could yeah, say. Yeah, true. But, yeah, and, I mean, the contract is killer. I know that shouldn't affect these actual rankings uh, if we're just talking about, like, just ability. But that lack of explosion, like, those numbers are a huge indictment, Paul. Like, that's, that's crazy. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like he ranked 37th amongst NFL running backs in yards per carry. 37th in yards per carry. You know, I I, going through this, I shouldn't even have him in the top 10. That's that's what I came to because I I did my list just off the top of my head and just like typed it out. And then I went back and looked at the stats and looked at what was out there. And I was just like, geez, I don't think Colin's going to have him in the top 10. Johnny Dean wouldn't have had him in the top 20. Yeah, it's Maybe. not. He's not wrong. Like no, you're not. He wasn't wrong. in the top twenty of of yards per carry. Like I mean, yeah, it's rough to have him in the top ten. Yeah. So I mean, uh, let's let's move on. Um, yeah. So coming in at number nine, I'm giving some respect to Aaron Jones. Um, 
Green Bay Packers running back. Uh, Scott, your reaction? You think that's too low? Yeah. 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 Which yeah. is fair. Too. Totally yeah. fair. I'm not not like crazy. I think he'd be more in the five or six range for me. Um, I, but I had him at six. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I love, I love him, and he and he he catches passes. He does a little bit of everything. He he's got that explosive factor. But go ahead. So yeah, so so I'll try and justify it, and then like that's I get that too for sure. I and I ended up pushing him down a little further than he was initially. Um, so so he is a really nice combination of running the football and catching the football, which I think is a key ingredient in today's era of football. And I think that'd be pretty unanimous amongst any knowledgeable football fa- football fans. You got to be able to catch. You got to be able to produce in the passing game as well as the running game, and he does that. Um, underrated in in pass protection as well. But um, so last year, thousand yard rusher, nine touchdowns, rushing the ball. Um, but in twenty sixteen, sorry, in twenty nineteen, the year before, like he had sixteen touchdowns. So it was a pretty significant drop off in at least in terms of getting in the end zone. And I yeah. guess I guess I could see his production dropping off quite a bit without Aaron Rodgers in the picture. Not to mention David Bakhtiari, arguably the best tackle in football, um, going to miss the bulk of the year with a torn ACL that happened late last year. So, but again, that shouldn't affect him as an individual running back. I understand that. I do think he has benefited from playing alongside Aaron Rodgers as well. I think the, I think teams have to prepare for the pass like as such a point of emphasis that it's naturally going to open up some opportunities. He's run behind a good offensive line. Um, so, yeah, I think he's super solid. I would take Aaron J- Jones on my team all day long. Uh, but he, he comes in at nine in my top ten. Okay. And then that's why I'll be interested to hear your next three or four guys then uh, just to compare. Like it's going to be splitting hairs, obviously, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, like those are all valid points, but the, like as of right now, we will be playing with Rogers, or we think that's the most likely thing. And of course, he's benefited from it. But like, what are you supposed to do, right? If you have a good quarterback, then that helps. He clearly has Rogers' trust. Um, I yeah, yeah. yeah I, you're I, right, though. You can't hold that against him for yeah, a good quarterback. I, that's I always that. yeah. Okay, so you're curious then. Where does this go next? So coming in at eight, my number eight. So it went Zeke at ten, Aaron Jones at nine. I have J.K. Dobbins at eight. Um, so yeah, maybe take off that Michigan shirt, Scott, so people don't interpret your your uh, complaints with that pick. Well, you've started with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you've underranked Aaron Jones. Throwing J.K. Dobbins. I'm assuming the next guys are going to be uh, Beanie Wells. Maurice Claret, um, Eddie George, and all the other Ohio State guys that have just run train on my Saturdays for the last uh, however many years, 34, if we'll be counting. Um, all right, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, sounds yeah. like you wrote Harry Potter, but keep going. Let's yeah. Go. Dude, the, it really feels like you've you missed some guys for sure. Yeah. There has to be. I mean, hey, like this is my list. This is your chance. Like come at me. Like that's fine. That's why we're here. Uh-huh. For the record, I love him. I love Dobbins. I think so, he has to prove it. Maybe I would maybe I would say this is more realistic for next year. But if you're thinking just this is what he can do going into this season, I actually don't hate it. I don't it, hate it. It's it's what I think will happen this upcoming season. Okay. I, I think right. like yeah. for example, I like this list, if the season ended, this upcoming season ended, this is where yeah. I would have these guys. Like this is what, what I see. And I think JK Dobbins is gonna have a major breakout this season. 
and they started giving him the ball way more than Ingram, obviously. Yeah, uh, they had to. Or, yeah, it, he became more of their, their regular back. Uh, and another, like, he's playing with Lamar, which obviously helps. But once again, who that's fine. Like, that's not his fault. He's He should be benefiting from it, which he, I think he will. But, hey, hey, okay, okay. I think Aaron Jones has been pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they would trade J.K. Dobbins for Aaron Jones, too. No, no chance. No chance. <laughs> I think I would. Yeah, but if they were both on a rookie deal. Like, so I think he's going to get a ton more carries this year, and I think it's going to be a completely different ball game. one year under his belt. I think he's super capable as both a runner and a receiver. Uh, he was num- So a big indicator, obviously, I think, is yards per carry. It kind of takes out the – to some extent it just takes out the the usage effect you know what i mean like total rushing yards is great but i want to know what your yards per carry are are you productive with a high usage um and he led the nfl in yards per carry with six yards per carry so um that's pretty impressive obviously playing with uh, lamar jackson's big but i just i think he's going to take off this year i think he's going to be a total force so he was he was sixth in yard per carry but 35th in rushing attempts not enough carries but he was a rookie whatever uh, and he was tied for third most explosive rushing plays so most third most 20 yard plus uh rushing plays and he was 35th in rushing attempts so he wasn't getting the ball but when he was getting it, he was highly highly productive and again that's what i see translating into a huge huge season next year okay you're talking me into it a little bit okay well, uh sticker shock has has gone away but um yeah th- i mean in a good offense and he's dynamic and he's young and all right all right i i still know about above aaron jones for me but i i can see where you're coming from to throw him in the top 10 i don't know how many people would but yeah uh yeah, we're getting some names in the chat here. Um, Johnny Dean likes that. Uh, Me, Cedor. Uh, so I think it's a Game of Thrones reference. Me, Cedor or something. Uh, but yeah. uh, And he, he makes a good point. Dobbins faces stack line knowing the Ren was coming every game. Dobbins is a beast. Like It's true. Um, I think that's why Like I, I, I just want to see it. I want to see it this year. Yeah, um, so... That's okay. Boom's going on a bit of a limb. That's that, That's what these yeah, are for. That's fair. Completely that. fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing with these lists. That's why they're fun to talk about because yeah. your own criteria can vary. It is very much yeah. subjective. Also, um, I heard J.K. Dobbins is just the greatest guy, which is just so annoying. <laughs> yeah, you hate yeah, – Scott – sorry, I forgot yeah. to warn everyone. Scott hates good people. Oh, he hates, <laughs> hates them. All Get out of here. All right, don't have yeah. time for you being all nice and stuff, honestly. <laughs> so I think I'm really going to get uh, – you guys are really going to dig into me here, but I'll just – you'll have to just give me a chance to defend myself, and then uh, and then you can have at me. What is this, uh, seven? Yeah, seven. So Number Zeke, seven, Travis Zeke, Zeke was at 10. Aaron Jones was at nine. J.K. Dobbins at eight. Coming in at number seven is Alvin Kamara. Wow. Um, you are a hater, bro. Listen. <laughs> what? Listen. Let me just say, I think he's one of the best receivers in the game. But yeah, you know how much money he owes you. You owe him. <laughs> Yo, I owe I owe Alvin Kamara a lot of money because I always hammer his over receptions and over receiving yards the last couple seasons. Um, even though 
Drew Brees going down really screwed that over um, towards the end of last season. But hey, for everyone listening, uh, this list does not rep. Um, does not reflect the opinions of all three members. Just, I just want to throw that out there again, just like uh, for sure. Just stamp it. All right, yeah, go with your Alvin Kamara slander. Just, I, just I, so we're clear, I've, I've got Kamara at three. Yeah, that's reasonable. I think most people would have him top three, um, and I can't hate it at all. Uh, however, I what I what the reason I have Kamara as low as seven is just because for a running back, if you're going to be one of my top tier running backs, I think he is – capable of being uh, Kamara's awesome and he's the best receiving running back in football along with Christian McCaffrey at least um he had 83 receptions for 750 plus yards and five receiving t- touchdowns last year uh, rushing, <laughs> rushing the football though he didn't break a thousand um he did have 16 rushing touchdowns and he did lead the NFL in touchdown total touchdowns with 21 yeah. uh but he was 14th in the league in rushing yards um, and I just think uh, he plays for the Saints. <laughs> yeah, that, thank you. That you should have led with that. If that was your argument, I actually would have been fine with it. That's cool. Yeah. I think this the stats didn't really help. Um, yeah, no, I did, didn't. I, I had him a little higher earlier, and then as it got closer, I was like, no, I want to please Johnny D and the boys. Well, <laughs> you just yeah. getting get more Saints haters to just – smash that like and subscribe button which fair enough yeah i don't want their likes and subscriptions um but yeah, yeah, you know, so throw, so throw that comment up well all right wait what is it i don't oh yes <laughs> i don't have come my toss <laughs> yeah all right. Because F the Saints, that's why. Yeah, so, so yeah, you're right. Nice you're right. Says, I don't have Kamara in my top 10 because F the Saints, that's why. Um, that is the only uh, argument to not have Alvin Kamara in your top five. Best argument I've heard. Okay, fair enough. But my only argument is he's he's such a dynamic receiver. I think if I get like one running back, like I want him to be more. Let's yeah, move on. But it, hey, in, the, cool. in the modern NFL, if I have one running back, I want him to do both. I want him yeah. to run the yeah. ball. I want him to catch the ball. So and exactly, is the best, one of the best at that. Exactly, but I think there's others who are really good receivers, but but much more um, dominant forces as a running back as well. So, hey, you you better hurry up and wrap this up. I think you have an appointment to go yell at kids to get off your lawn. Um, <laughs> you know, just if you don't like Kamara, like how much he catches the ball, makes plays, yeah. I, Honestly, just get him out of here. I expected this, and and I understand it, and I expect more to come. Um, Number six on my list, coming in just ahead of Alvin Kamara, uh, is Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, He's coming off his best season as a pro, rushed for over 1,500 yards last year, still had 44 receptions for 361 yards. Uh, obviously another prime example of a guy who can run the ball. He can be a, a force in the run game, he, really a huge focal point of an offense as the run game in the run game while also being uh, super adept as a wide receiver and ha- keeping the defense honest in that regard. I mean, he's a dynamic player, obviously, and uh, young enough. I just, I think da- Dalvin Cook is what he is, which is a damn good running back. Yeah, I, I got him at six too. No um, arguments. He would be right yeah, yeah. in that middle of the top ten for me. Uh, don't want to split hairs. He's he's really good. He's a great runner. He's he's 
great at the goal line. He's he's great in short yardage. I I love him. Love him. Funny, funny enough, I, I already I, I mentioned Scott asked in the group chat who who's the best running. Is this the, the, with the acquisition of Julio Jones? Is him, AJ Brown, and Derrick Henry the best running back, wide receiver, wide receiver trio? And one of the teams that came to mind was the Vikings with uh, gonna... Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook to, wow. be, yeah. to be to be in consideration. But I still think it's the Titans, though. Still, yeah, I think yeah. That, yeah, the Titans are in another like if you were doing tiers of that, the Titans are in their own tier. But that's they're the next one. Uh, that's a three-year yeah. monster for sure, with a worse quarterback uh, than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, well, the, very true. Um, yeah. All right, so number five, number five. Do you, do you don't do you want to do any honorable mentions before you get to this, or let's just I, let's no. not spoil it actually. Let's, yeah, yeah let's see what, I, who knows. Who knows? It's so it's so funny that I have like we have six the same. So like your top five, yeah, it can't be the same. Yeah, you don't know if it's gonna be way off the board or yeah. maybe you'll be into it. But like we'll I see. Um, so, sorry once again, it's important to summarize for anyone just listening on the podcast or whatever. We don't have visual accommodations. It's outside of our tech budget at this point. Um, Zeke, Zeke Elliott at ten, Aaron Rodgers at nine. This is my Aaron. Uh, sorry, Aaron Jones, uh, J.K. Dobbins at eight. <laughs> Alvin Kamara at seven, Dalvin Cook at six. So now we're entering the top, my top five, I think, best running Wait, backs for next season. Should I grab another drink before we get into the rest of this? I, I, I think we all need one. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor, very similar to J.K. Dobbins, is poised for uh, a big season with an increased workload and – I think he's super dynamic. I mean, my affinity for Jonathan Taylor as a runner goes back to his domination of Michigan on the ground and, and other teams in that conference. Uh, just kidding, Scott. I'm kidding. No, it's, it, it absolutely happened. I, yeah. So, you know, so I, 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 want, I, I really look forward to your take on Jonathan Taylor in a minute here, Scott. Um, you know, he, he, he finished third in rushing yards in the NFL, but he was eighth in attempts. So, you know, highly productive, good yard yards per carry. Um and, and he was tied for third with the most explosive rushing plays in the league last season as a rookie. So the only guys with more explosive plays than him are two guys who had way more carries, and that's that's um, Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. So highly, highly explosive. I think he kind of got dicked around early in the season. Not dicked around. I get it. He's a rookie. But when Marlon Mack went down, I expected him to just get the reins and be a bell cow right away. Um and I expected him coming into his rookie year to be in the top three in, in rushing. I don't know, Bodan, if you remember that, if you got the receipts for that. But I remember you were kind of like, really, boom? And I was like, really, man? Like, I'm that high on him. Yeah, um, I remember. I, we, yeah. We, like, we loved him in college. But, uh, yeah, I, you were definitely even higher on him than we expected. It, yeah, than I expected. With the, with the Wisconsin running backs, it's tough because they always have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Yeah. And, like, that's what the whole – program is, is built around and they've had a handful of guys who have just run for a ton of yards but like uh whom monte ball recently you know he was an absolute star he, he played a little bit obviously in the uh in the nfl he didn't last that long melvin gordon another guy who was just as terrifying to play against as but taylor was a little bit different and uh, I think it showed. I think it showed that first year um, that he wasn't just uh, a product of the system or anything like that. 
I don't think those other guys were necessarily either, but he looks like he could be the best of a long line of, uh, you know, just guys that just mowed through the Big Ten. And, hey, five, like, I might quibble a couple spots, but he's awesome. I, I you know, he's a he's a locked top ten guy for me, obviously. Yeah, and long term, yeah, especially. Sorry, Bob. Hit, hit us with no, 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 no. I I had him as an honorable mention. I was like looking. I was so sure I had him in my top ten that I actually messed up the order that I have. But uh, yeah, like Jonathan Taylor is love watching him play, especially the way he ended the season. Like I felt like he was the focal point of that uh, Indiana Colts game plan in the playoffs too. So um, I think he's gonna he's right for a big year. I just I think I wasn't just I wasn't looking at it the list the same way that you were so i can see why you might have him at five um but yeah i had him at 11 as like my honorable mention fair enough um yeah and like you know now carson wentz is the quarterback in indianapolis and anthony costanzo has costanzo has retired their left tackle so there are some concerns there i mean he's got the best garden football and quentin nelson helping pave the way for him i think he's so good he's gonna get better despite what happens at those key positions but it is worth making note of in terms of like maybe the breakout won't be as dramatic as i've led you to believe uh but i'm just such a believer in his game so um and he's way faster than people initially thought too because he's such a strong dude so like when he ran his sub 4 4 40 40 time um i think that shocked a lot of people um incredibly durable too uh all right into our top four here um this four, four and three were tough for me. Oh, I know where you guys are going to be absolutely shocked and just give me the gears now. I figured it out. Um, so, uh, and it's not right here. Uh, number four is Nick Chubb. Um, Nick Chubb is a stud. I think, like, I just know because we talk football so much with each other that we all are, are big Nick Chubb guys. Yeah. And I don't know how you couldn't be. Like, he's just so solid like maybe the most consistently solid running back in football in a lot of ways like he's just so rock solid and dependable um you know 5.6 yards per carry he has had 30 explosive rushing plays so that yeah 30 in the past two seasons so uh sorry past two seasons he's had 30 zeke elliott has uh seven yeah no comparison Think about that. That is mind-boggling. That is like two seasons worth of production in itself, separating those two in explosive plays. Uh, so just – he's just yeah, – Every a- they cut to a Browns game or the high – it feels like they're showing Chubb bouncing one outside and absolutely housing one yeah. down the sideline, right? Like it just feels like part of your Sunday. Yeah, I love it. It's love so him. true. It's like, oh, yeah, that team was threatening until Nick Chubb got the ball and it just yeah. – he's in the end zone, yeah. And and Bowden and I – so Bo and I – Scott Scott is our, our betting guru. He'll like to be like self-deprecating as though he's not that successful and he's never going to force you to take a pick. But I look forward to us getting his betting opinions, especially as the season goes on. Um because Scott, your opinion is valuable in that area, and you deserve uh, respect for that. Definitely help help my bank account sometimes. So, uh, but, but Bo- Did you say, I'm just gonna cut this part out where you said your opinion is valuable, so my wife can hear it. Um, <laughs> this it's is a like clip a for sure. clip just to throw it in. What in doubt, you know? I hey Lydia, I have thoughts on our garden too. All right, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm multidimensional here. I'd like to be involved. Anyway, sorry, keep going. 
so it, like if Scott's like the Devin White or the the Tom Brady of our betting segments, Bowden and I are like uh, the Ryan Suckups. We're the kickers because we're specialists, and our specialty, <laughs> our our favorite part of football to bet is player props. So, in, term, <laughs> in terms of Nick Chubb, like we, I don't even know if we've ever talked about this story anyway, and I don't know how much of a story it is, but Bowden and I learned a valuable lesson about Nick Chubb. We had bet the over rushing yards. I think it was in the play was in the playoffs or the end of the regular season last year, Bo. I'm pretty sure it was in the playoffs. Yeah. And he yep, had like it was in the playoffs. It was hundred yeah. percent in the playoffs. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, yeah. And and he Against had like the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, Chiefs. And he had like I don't know, like twenty three first half yards. And we had bet the over at like seventy something. And we were like, we got to get three off. quarters. Basically, yeah. three quarters into so, it. We're so like, we were like, you know, our our betting uh, app allowed us to cash out at any point. We're like, we collectively decided we got to take a hit here and just you know. Yeah. Call it call it a day while we can salvage a little bit of our investment here. And like the moment we like simultaneously clicked it because we were texting throughout the game, he just busted a twenty yard run. And then next play, he busted a seventeen yard run. <laughs> yeah. Next, and, and we're just like we're, we're such idiots. Like so, like absolute idiots. He, he is like to me. There, he was at he was at four on my list too. Um, the most inconvenient, the second most inconvenient person to tackle in the NFL. Like he is a brick house, and he is so fucking fat or so crazy fast, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he totally is. So, and like he's so he's just so solid. Like in terms of like, you think you picture him? At least I did as just this like, I don't know, like like just he's gonna keep churning, keep churning the legs, keep keep moving the chains. But but the explosive yeah. side of him is what I underestimated almost at the NFL oh, yeah. level. Like it blows me away how he is both of those things at once. So yeah. Uh, before we talk ourselves into him being number one, we better like keep on moving uh, yeah. up the list here. Unless we have any more Nick Chubb thoughts from you, you boys. He's awesome. Love yeah. him. Yeah, he's great. Uh, okay, so number three, this is where I have uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I mean, we don't need to talk too much about McCaffrey because like his production and explosive ability is well documented, especially in the NFC South. Coming off a year, he missed pretty much the whole season i think he played like three games um but his rushing and receiving numbers are ridiculous like in 2019 do either you guys want to i don't know if you you know so don't cheat if you saw it today but do you guys want to guess how many receptions he had in 2019 as a running back i want to say it was like 92 or something okay good guess bodan yeah i was gonna say like 80 something like between 80 and 100 somewhere yeah, and I would have probably guessed right around there, probably in the 80s. He had 116 receptions in 2019. So Jesus. earlier I said like Kamara is the best receiving running back, but I mean, I don't, I think it's McCaffrey by a hair. I don't know. Those two are both phenomenal receivers, but yeah. 116 receptions as a running back is almost uncomprehensible. It's so absurd. Yeah, it's, it's, um, but he's seven a game. Yeah, and the same year he rushed for just under fourteen hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. Yeah, that yeah. twenty nineteen year is just out of control. Um, so hope slight, I don't think- slight indictment on the Panthers' offensive uh, weaponry, perhaps, but um, to put it mildly, but no, uh, those are mind blowing. My hundreds. That's absolutely insane. Like I didn't realize that. I knew yeah, it was. Yeah. Cool. I had no idea it was that good. And, and then the point that then everyone's gunning on you too, right, makes it arguably like how many guys are in the box on McCaffrey. But because he's such a receiving threat, you can't just play him one way. You can't just stack the box and think he's going to then just burn your linebackers or safeties deep. Like such a polished runner. And a, 
he's proven to be more of a like straight up running back capable as as a runner I think than a lot of people envision so I've I loved him at Stanford and even though he's in the NFC South like I I, I as an individual player I I hope for plenty of success to continue for McCaffrey and for him to stay healthy um, just with them continuing to lose to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, okay. Just two games a year. He's got to be pretty bad. Yeah. So number two, we're, we're all the way to number two. I got two left. Um, this one, I think I have a feeling you guys are going to, going to be not too pleased with, um, but let me just speak my piece and then, you can hammer me for it. Uh, I have it's Saquon. Not Leonard, if it's Leonard Fournette, no, oh, I, no, no bucks made my list. It's Saquon, <laughs> it's Saquon Barkley. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I like he's my favorite running back in that that I can remember in terms of how he plays football. Obviously, he missed yeah. almost all of last year, and this is what I'm thinking for this year. So I think he's going to be fully healthy coming into the season. Maybe take him a little bit to get going. The biggest concern is the offensive line play because what he came into in the league as a second overall pick um, is just a, a pathetic excuse for an offensive line. And they're very slowly building that position. They drafted Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, fourth overall, new left tackle last year. He had a rough start to the season for a player sla- selected before Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Becton, and Tristan Wirfs. Um, so in hindsight, I mean, that's a tough one. But – but. Um, Digging into some New York Giants Reddit chats to get a real pulse for the organization. Uh, Andrew that Thomas, a happy place. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but it's yeah, Joe Judge Judy. Um, but uh, he he had a he really turned it around halfway through last season. So anyway, I don't know. I'm not gonna like sit and say their offensive line is is gonna be why Saquon's gonna be so great. I just think he is that special of a talent. Um, so like so he for him that I have no sample from last year from a statistical perspective, but like in his rookie year, he had 91 receptions for 720 yards. So as a rookie with a terrible offensive line, he comes up with 91 receptions. And we all know like like Scott, you watched a ton of Saquon Bo. I know you did too. Like he's a running back. Like you can just hand him the ball and he will he will yeah. dominate a defense. And we're, that's him receiving the ball alone as a rookie on a terrible team. He also rushed for 1,300 yards. So I just see, like, I see Christian McCaffrey type, type impact and how he, how he affects the running and the passing of an offense. Um, but I just think he is so great and his ceiling is so high. He had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage as a rookie. Um, again, as an individual player, bring him over to Tampa. Just watch what he would do behind, like, that top-tier offensive line. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with the rest of their roster. Um, but that's what that's my thoughts yeah. on Saquon. We might need we might need to check on Johnny Dean, but uh, I I actually have Saquon Barkley at two as well. I, you yeah. do, bro. We didn't we didn't exchange lists at all. But I, I definitely like I if you're talking about we have one game to win to get into the playoffs, Saquon Barkley would be my second choice. Like I love his game, I love the variability in it. Um, yeah, and. The super good to say that he is a running back, running back. Like he is, you can turn around and just hand him the ball. But Johnny Dean's not happy with me. Um, he was willing to give me a pass on Christian McCaffrey. Uh, no, no one likes praise for NFC South South players, uh, but I got to do it. I'm going to give you my honest opinion, um, and I think hopefully he stays healthy, and hopefully 
the offensive line can hold up enough for Saquon Barkley to make it real clear why he's so high on this list. With the Sa- pretend- Saquon is my, is my favorite running back, and I hope yeah. that he becomes the number one guy on this list. But actually, just because of production and because of potential injuries and being with the playing with the Giants, he actually would have been four on my list behind um, uh, Chubb and McCaffrey. Uh, well, I think we all have the same number one right now. But, um, yeah, once again, I get it. I hope I hope he's amazing. I hope he's an absolute, like, how you turn on a Warriors game to watch Steph heat up. Like, I hope Saquon it has a similar type of, uh, of effect for the Giants. That would be fantastic. But I think it's worthy now, or uh, worth mentioning, sorry, uh, team struggles some – like not sorry personal struggles it sounds like he's a drug no i just mean like staying on the field and everything like that uh i think that's at least worth a couple spots on this list just because the top is literally like the cream of the crop right so that that was those would be my two cents but like i said i hope he's up there yeah and like you said earlier we are picking hairs at this point it's personal preference these are all fantastic players and it's more just a good excuse to talk about these guys and why we love watching them because we're in the off season right we're not watching them every week so you kind of take it for granted during the season um but it's nice to sort of revisit the greatness that exists at these at a dot what people consider a dying position at least in terms of value but but one that i since i was a kid i love watching good running backs just just take handoffs and and see what they can do with the ball going through the list there's a pretty clear top five for me um yeah with Cook being number six and fantastic, but like a, a relatively clear tier below the top five guys is, uh, in terms of who I would actually want. Um, just just while doing the research, I think that actually, I mean, not according to Boom. Uh, I mean, Kamara, I, I don't know. What, what was he again, 13? <laughs> I, I had Alvin Kamara as my seventh uh, oh, year. I was, yeah, but I think like okay, fair enough. You guys both were appalled by that that choice, but <laughs> sounds like you weren't necessarily way against any of the guys who I had high once I started talking about them. So you could at least acknowledge that I'm not. Repl- sure. It's not like I got uh, like Giovanni Bernard in there or or something. Well, like yeah, you do- I was gonna say so. Like before we get to number one, like my honor, like. I'm hoping what you had is honorable mentions. The guys that made it tough to make this list. Uh, could I sell you a Joe Mixon, perhaps? Yeah, Antonio Mixon. Gibson, perhaps. Not yet. Like, no, not, not Antonio Gibson. No. Yeah, no. I, I had Antonio at ten. Like I, I just love his game, and also mm-hmm. maybe I'm, I'm uh, thinking that the Washington football team is going to be really good. Next Joe year. Mixon. Joe Mixon, no. I, Joe Mixon, I. Yeah, I, I think that is a possible game breaker, and one of the reasons why I'm going to be pretty high on the Cincinnati Bengals, even though if I think they might come in fourth in their division, but still, <laughs> I, I think they're, I think they could be really good with that offense. I have a weird soft spot, not just like uh, in my stomach where some people have muscles, but also just a weird soft spot for uh, Kenyon Drake. Like he would have been, yeah, close, hovering. For me, more probably in the 12 to 15 range, but just like looking at kind of, uh, yeah, guys who would have just missed the cut. And also, um, I mean, oh, James Robinson from the Jacks. Great rookie season. Yeah. Really well, good rookie season. I you can't hold I, it against him because he was because uh, he was undrafted. Yeah, and now he's going to have ETN in the backfield with them. But 
just he had over a thousand yards and i think he missed either the last i think he missed the last three games like that's pretty good on a brutal team uh to do that so once again i think if he has if you were to put up similar numbers this year i think you would uh have a great case to crack that top 10 next year and just to summarize, like I like how Bo likes to do this. He likes to talk about honorable mentions before you unveil the number one, even though in this case it's not super surprising. Um, another name worthy of discussion is David Montgomery, who quietly had a really nice year in Chicago as a runner and a, and a receiver. Yeah, he just doesn't do it for me, but I agree. And I wouldn't yeah. – yeah, like just a personal th- – it's not like he's terrible, nothing like that. He's just like – to me, he's like the exact league average starting running back. Yeah, that's a good I way. Couldn't have put it better. Like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, I wanted to give him some roses on this, but I, I couldn't. I had ten, at least ten guys, if not twelve, yeah. ahead of him. But you, you like, he was the easiest guy when you're looking at like the top rushers last year. It's he's like the easiest guy to skip. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of I mean? top right past. But like, exactly. he's like at six or something like that. He's he was yeah. super high. Yeah, and then a, a fantasy sleeper, a guy this year, like I know we're not doing – this isn't a fantasy show necessarily, even though we'll cover some of that at some point. But um, I think Mike Davis uh, could have a big year statistically. I think he was like pretty legit um, filling in for McCaffrey last year and uh, watching some of his his tape. He could be better than people think. But I don't think – like I don't think he's anything special. Just some names of someone. Yeah. And before I want to – like so this explosive rushing plays – uh, that I've talked about now several times. I just want to get, I found it super interesting to actually just look at the numbers. So the best over the past, their past two seasons who had the most 20 plus or beyond uh, rushes runs. So the top three players, of course, Saquon Barkley, I'm taking 2018, 2019 because of his injury. So he leads everyone with 34. Um, Derek, Derek Henry has 32 over the, Oh, and that was with, missing three games as well saquon so that's yeah just, like that's that's why he's at two that's like uh, yeah. i know johnny dean yeah. is hating yeah. this but like he is so like he, the word explosive could just be saquon like exactly. he is you are like you're a saquon type of player it means you're gonna you're gonna have so many 20 yard rounds like that's crazy right more explosive plays in a two-year span and you did it as a rookie on a terrible team than derrick henry yeah. or nick chubb uh or christian mccaffrey um, but the, the top so three guys in a two-year uh, fragment it, is Saquon with 34, Derrick Henry has 32 over the last two years, and Nick Chubb has 30. So in terms of explosive plays, those three guys are head and shoulders above the rest. So, yeah. and, and in Henry's case, literally head and shoulders. Yeah. 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 Derek Hen- yeah so. Derrick Henry, obviously, like for everybody, like that's the number one on Collins' list, number one on all of our lists. He is number one on anything that says running back on it in this year that you can look at. So oh, Derrick Henry is a massive problem for everyone, and now he has Julio Jones on his team. It's almost too bad because there's not much to say. Like There's nothing to say. Good. Yeah. There's not much we can even say. Like He's the best one. He's the best one who does it. He's the biggest one. He's definitely the one who uh, would spark the most fear in defenses right now, or, or whatever. I guess there are arguments for some other guys, but like no one is sleeping easy, knowing they're playing against him. Uh, to me, he like he gives the Titans' offense such a high floor. Like they just can't be that bad because he can't really be stopped that. Easy, yeah. you know what I mean. So it's yeah. like they're going to be productive almost regardless because, like, 
good luck stopping him from getting 10 yards three straight times if you just wanted to give him the ball, right? So, I don't, yeah, I, I think he is actually a clear-cut number one. I think some of these guys have the ability and potential to to really, uh, you know, take a shot at that crown this season. But uh, I think it's, yeah, it, it's Henry. and I guess it's Henry for all three of us. Henry's Henry is the, like, I think it's the exact same way I think about Aaron Donald. Where mm. it's just like, if you're looking at that position, there's only one choice. Like, that is the guy you're taking. If you need one defensive lineman, one interior defensive lineman, let's say. Yeah. You're going to get Aaron Donald. You're going to say, okay, that guy's he's the best one in football. Every other position, if there's a debate at least, other than maybe quarterback, maybe. I guess I shouldn't say that on a Bucks podcast, but yeah. Um, yeah, the like you're probably, if you had one game, you're probably going to take Tom Brady. If you had one game, you're probably going to take Derrick Henry. Yeah, it's, just, it's a certain like special athletes. It's like you 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 watch them play and they just jump off the screen at you. But then when you look at the numbers, they're also just statistically superior yeah. as well. And like all of the analytics support how much they affect the game. I mean, like generally my philosophy that I've already mentioned is that a running back should be dynamic in both facets, right? Rushing and receiving in order to be like super high on my list. But Derrick Henry is just too dominant of a runner for that to matter. He's he's like Shaq in his prime, you know, defenses yeah. know what's coming. They can't stop him. 2,000 plus yards rushing last season, um, hundred and just under 130 yards per game. So he, he's he's getting he, so incredibly durable workhorse. Also, almost 380 rushing attempts last year, which is insane volume, insane yeah. volume. But he's still averaging five and a half, almost five and a half yards per carry. Like it's just stupid. 20 20 explosive plays last year alone. So. You think of this like big bruising dude, like, but he's busting. He does everything, everything, and he catches the ball well enough. Like when you're that yeah. kind of a runner, you're gonna open up that aspect of the game for yourself as well. Four runs of forty plus. Yeah, like that's he's a, he is the running back of the NFL, which is you don't get to say that. I think there was a I saw an AJ Brown's Instagram. There, I forget who it was. It might have been Ladanian Tomlinson. He was quoted saying, "Derrick Henry is this generation's Jim Brown." So that's yeah, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. So pretty good. MLT too, the best. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would love to go through all ten best running backs all time if we want to really get Johnny Dean and some other other people going because it's impossible to agree on all those, but. We'll save that for another dark day, shall we, gentlemen? Sounds good to me, my friend. Yeah, so I think uh, – I can't believe it's already been an hour and a half. I um, was thinking this one might be an hour, but, uh, again, thanks to some good commentary from the Bucks Report viewers and from some great contributions from you, Bo, and you, Scott. Uh, it's been another real one here, talking Bucks football and just talking NFL football. We – we discussed Gio Bernard and some of the recent news, which there isn't much of as it relates to the Buccaneers. But uh, the Julio Jones trade going down yesterday definitely gave us something to talk about. And he is no longer a problem for NFC South fans, at least uh, directly, or NFC South rivals of the Falcons anyway, um, as he's moving on to Tennessee. And then I unveiled my top 10 running backs heading into next season. And uh, that was fun talking about that, guys. I'm happy that we had some some disagreements, but I think we sorted through it with good facts and justifications and discourse. Um, so anyway, that's going to do it for the Bucks Banter podcast this evening. Uh, happy to be here on Bucks Report. 
I'd be remiss if I didn't suggest you go check out BucksBanter.ca for lots of great written content. Um, I talked about that Legend of Levante article I wrote back in April. Check that one out. Uh, Bo, where can we find you on Twitter? What, what's what's going on, man? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'll probably be tweeting about the uh, NBA tonight. Um, it's a bad look for the game. other Bucks. Yeah, it's a really, a really tough look. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not looking at the score. Don't tell me the score. I've got it recorded. I, I want to see it. I want to see it. Don't. Yeah, already a little bit of a spoiler there. But yeah, the uh, you can find me on Twitter. Bo knows ball. B O H uh, knows ball. Uh, and yeah, I uh, hopefully I see you guys. You can do this again next week. Not hopefully. We will be doing it again next week. And so will you, Bo. Okay, good. Um, oh yeah, I'm a co-host now. No, yeah, yeah, you are. Put that in my bio. Yeah, yeah, you are. Cap, you're getting close too. We just need another couple uh, consistent appearances. Um, All right, good. I need to get my followers up. I'm pretty sure the only people who follow me are you two, and then um, not you two people, not the band. And uh, <laughs> some, someone showed my mom how to make a bunch of bot accounts. So uh, yeah, so I'm uh, at Captain Ron on Twitter, and uh, yeah, next week for sure. Can't wait. Awesome. And of course, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Bucks Banter. Um, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great and look forward to coming back at you next Monday uh, with another live show. And I think we might be dropping a podcast this Thursday previewing another uh, NFL division. Haven't decided which one yet, but Scott, Bo and myself are going to dig into each division in football and preview how we see that shaking out. And there'll be lots of betting content um, and just other discussion around the various position groups and teams and coaches and all that stuff. But that is enough for tonight. So thank you for tuning in. It has been our pleasure and we look forward to catching you next time on the Bucks Banter podcast. Hey, Binks. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs>